0: The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay paul Nadeau.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Inspire Us. Today's topic is post-traumatic stress and many people suffer from it. Some people are unaware that they actually have it. But because of some of the events that we've experienced in the past, be it in our childhood, be it something else, we can be affected and that can carry on into our present day in many different ways. My next guest experienced a very traumatic event, back in August of 2016. And to this day, it's still a journey for her to recover completely. There are many therapies out there. If you are suffering from post-traumatic stress, you can reach out to a therapist, to a counselor, and get the help that you need. It's not an easy thing to deal with some of the experiences, some of the negative experiences that we've had in the past, but it is so vitally important that you do that. And so, without any further delay, you got to listen to the story. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Ashley Michelle. Hello, Ashley, and welcome to Inspire Us.
2: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. In this podcast, we hear all kinds of stories. And a friend of mine reached out and said, you've got to hear this young woman's story. It's a remarkable story of something that has happened to her that led to some post-traumatic stress, but she has managed it. And she has gone on to to talk about her story and to empower others who have gone through trauma. And I thought, yep, that's the kind of person that I want on my podcast.
2: Well, thank
1: you. (laughs) You're welcome. So would you please tell us your story?
2: Yeah. So in July of 2016, um, Will had come back from out west. Um, This is the guy that I was seeing casually dating at the time. Um, And uh, he was staying with me and another friend of his. And in that same, actually a month before everything else happened, I was running through a park and I was assaulted in a park while I was running. And it seemed that the layers were just slowly but surely um, coming, coming to apart essentially. And um, then August, 20, 2016, my life changed drastically. Um, I found myself a witness to a horrific crime. Um, I got a call at, I want to say like 530 in the morning from Will. And um, I went over to the apartment um, of his friends that he was staying at. And um, he had just committed murder. And he told me that he locked all the doors from behind me and told me that I was the next one, pointed a knife to my back, told me that this way would be less painful. Um, I refused to clean up the scene like he wanted, and that's when he strangled me. Um, Then he also tried to sexually assault me and tried to have sex with me multiple times. Um, So it was extremely difficult.
0: Mm.
1: Wow, I can't imagine that. So if I understand you correctly, this man that you'd been seeing by the name Mm -hmm. of Will had called you to the apartment, and when you got there, the homicide had already happened. And It had
2: already occurred, and then he went to the washroom, and I then ran down 18 flights of stairs, unlocked all the locks that he had locked, and then um, when I was at the trial, they showed video footage of that, and I missed him by seconds, and I ran across the street to a variety store where I then called 911, and... Thank goodness that the police got there in time and they were able to arrest him before he got away.
1: So the purpose of him inviting you over was for you to clean up the scene or you mentioned just a a few moments ago that he also threatened to kill you. He had already committed one homicide. He threatened to kill you as well after, after you cleaned up.
2: No. So he, this was right when I got into the apartment, he basically told me he was already going away for one account of murder. Why not make it two? Hmm. Um, And it was crazy because before we got into the apartment, we were downstairs in the lobby and he was telling me like how much he loved me. And, you know, we, we kissed and not thinking anything of that I mean he had gone to school for police foundations criminology to top it all off I I don't think he finished parts of the program to say the least but like I made him keys to my apartment like I I trusted him enough maybe I was a little naive but I I did I I trusted him obviously you trust someone when you make them keys to your apartment and uh, yeah I I didn't think that he was even remotely capable of something like this. I mean, who thinks that anybody is you hear about this in the news all the time and you just, you don't think it's, it's going to be you. And that's where like the hypervigilance comes into play. Now I immediately think that the person that's walking behind me is threatening to me and they could be completely harmless, but you go into this mode of panic and, and doom and, you know, you go into fight or flight mode and it's now it's, it's so hard to trust. It's very hard to trust.
1: So I'm trying to get the picture here, Ashley, and you, how long had you been dating Will?
2: So I met him in 2014 after I got back from a trip. Um, and we would work out together at the gym, that kind of stuff. Um, he, uh, did introduce me to the deceased um before all of this Um, but i probably he went out west for a while and when he went out west it was just too difficult to like keep talking so there was probably months where we didn't go talking but i'd say for like mm, a year and a half to two years perhaps
1: okay and during the year and a half to two years that you knew him, and, and you also mentioned that he was taking police foundations, criminology. This was
2: before he met me, yeah. He okay. did all this stuff in the past. He was a couple of years older than me.
1: Okay. And uh, had he ever applied for the police department? I'm just kind of curious. I have that. no
2: idea. I don't I don't believe he did. Uh, he was working out a, a bouncer at the time that I met him. Then he went west to try this new job opportunity, which failed. So then he came back here. And he was living between me and the deceased at that point.
1: What I wanted to ask you is this, were there signs that he was violent or that he was unstable while you were seeing him, while you were dating? Were there times where he would, was he narcissistic? Did did his moods change? Was he volatile?
2: Looking back at it now, I do think there were some narcissistic traits, um, but not anything to the extent where he would, commit murder or I would have never made him keys to my house. Um, you know, we had our differences like any other person that's getting to know someone, um, but it was never that extreme at all by any means necessary. Um, he, it, There was, you know, a little bit of jealousy. I, I remember hugging one of my friends and him being like asking me oh like are you dating this guy I'm like no no like we're just friends but that was even before he went out west and I knew when he came back from out west he was a little bit depressed because things didn't work out there for him but I never imagined anything like this like I I wish looking back at it you know we go through what all the what ifs all the coulda woulda shouldas and I do wish that I you know seeing that he was depressed I wish I I got him help to maybe talk to a counselor, maybe get some of that out of him. Um, But I did what I could. Um, I believed in him, I I gave him a place to stay. Um, I did the best that I could from a caring perspective.
1: Of course, no, 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 of course. And you should never go back and blame and shame yourself and just say, I wish I could have. You know
2: what? That was the hardest, hardest thing for me. And that's still hard to this day is like the forgiveness of self. And I talked about this in a couple of other the interviews that I did. And honestly, I think that that was the biggest part of not forgiving myself. Like I blamed myself for what happened because I was like, oh, maybe if I got him help, maybe if I reached out to a Mm -hmm. counselor, maybe if I booked him. Like I went through all of those things and you know what, like you're in control of you and you can't control somebody else's behaviors or actions. And like, and I felt guilty too, that the deceased is now gone, but like, I'm still able to live. Like I felt guilty for going to hang out with my friends. I felt guilty for crossing the street. I like, I couldn't understand why I was still here. That was like the hardest thing to have to go through is why did I, why was I still here? And there was a point where I got so depressed and after hearing new information, like that, of course, there's tons of rumors swerving around about Will and stuff. And, you know, people are telling me this and that, and the other thing, and that stuff sets you off because there's no boundaries and you really find out really hard who your true friends and who your true support is. And you find out who's not there. And, you know, people were telling me things and, It was Thanksgiving weekend. I took some pills, mixed them with some alcohol, and I just wanted to die. I missed the whole day of my life um, because I just slept. I was lucky that I even woke up the next day. Um, I was just so distraught, and I didn't see a purpose for living. And then I was like, wow, how could you? That's so selfish because you're giving Will all the power, A, and b you're you have to testify like you have a responsibility you have a job to do you have to serve you have to serve justice and you have to get justice served for the family of the deceased for for myself and that's what it came down to is taking a really good hard look at the mirror and saying it can either go this way or that way there was no in between
1: Ashley are you doing all right now because it sounds like you're still going into the past and you're still saying I what if I had done this and what if I had done that are you still I'm, I'm,
2: I'm doing better now I mean <laughs> thank goodness for counseling right like yes. counseling, the what yes. the one thing that really helped me out and like I said to you like I don't place as much blame on myself as I did then I I still wish there were things like getting somebody support now like if someone reaches out to me I send them a support link right away like I, I guess it's learning from those mistakes right um and learning okay now I can only move forward by helping other people um, but I'm definitely, am I over everything that happened? No, I mean, I think about it every single day, but I don't let it consume my life. Now it's all about helping and helping people as much as they possibly can, because what hurt me the most was the detective saying to me, actually, you need to make us a promise. And this was before they even asked me any questions. They're like, please don't go out on the streets to do drugs, get into prostitution, alcohol, et cetera. And I'm like, okay, if they're telling me this, then the statistics for this actually happening to survivors must be pretty high. And that's when I was like, you know what, like, I I can't, I, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep hearing about survivors of crime and not doing anything about it. I never wanted someone to follow in my footsteps. I never wanted someone to point all the blame at themselves. If I can help enrich somebody's life by using my story as a teaching moment, then that's what I'll do.
1: And I'm glad to hear that you're doing that. Really, I am. I, I talk about this quite a bit in many lectures and with many people. Things happen to us in the past. We have mm-hmm. our three personal time zones, the past, the present, and the future. What happened in the past is the past. And when mm-hmm. you go back and you start to look at it and say, I should have done this, I should have done that. That is just harmful and it's just beating you up. It it
2: definitely is, yes.
1: You must, yes. And I know that you're getting counseling and I'm so happy that you are because there's a light, there's a bright light in you. I see it too. And that is so fantastic. And I really, truly um, pray that you're going to be able to leave it behind because it was not your fault. And that's the one thing that a lot of people have to remind themselves. When bad things happen, that was not your fault. You didn't do anything to have that happen. That was not your fault. It was totally outside of your control. It's a blessing that you made it out there alive. It is a blessing.
2: Exactly, exactly, it is. And that's why like it's all about now, it's turning all that pain into strength. That's what it comes down to.
1: It does, it comes down, well, there's a six letter word I use a lot. Mm -hmm. And here's that word. The word is choice, C-H-O-I-C-E, six letters we have the choice to leave the bad things behind and never to go back and revisit from time to time. We're going to think of it, but guess what? If we go back and we go back to the poor me hotel or, or why me, or why, you know, why didn't I? That's a lounge. And they serve dirty drinks there and it's really, so the future is something that we can plan for, and we can create our own future, and that's wonderful. The present is so important. I'm glad to see that you're, you're doing that. You mentioned just a moment uh, ago, or just a few moments ago, that you're ha- still having difficulty trusting, and I do understand that that would happen for sure. How are you doing otherwise? Are, are you suffering from post-traumatic stress? Are you? I,
2: I mean, there's always gonna be your days. I mean, like COVID has definitely made things harder. Um, like I'm kind of like a child in a way. Like I kind of need my structure, my consistency, my routine. And not having that has been a little bit difficult and it's been a couple of steps backwards. But I feel like once I get back in the zone, I'm, I'm really good. Um, The gym has literally saved my life and it's going to be different coping strategies for different people. But the gym, I I can't even tell you, like it's, I feel so much happier. I feel like myself, I feel positive. I feel uplifting. I feel brave. Like, I feel like I can do anything I set my mind to. Like I go in there excited and I leave happier than when I came in. And I just feel good all the way around. Like, it's just like, it's like taking a mini vacation away from the world. It's just me, my music and the workout equipment and that's it. And it is so refreshing and it's so rejuvenating. And every time, even if I was having just a stressful day at work, you know, it's just it's really great to have that outlet and a positive outlet too, not drugs or alcohol or other horrific things. This is the best positive outlet for myself. And like I said, everyone's different. So some people are going to have different strategies. Maybe that's journaling, maybe that's running, maybe that's kickboxing, whatever it may be. Um, But this for me is what has worked for me to overcome my mental health.
1: Mm. that's, I like what you just said, because there are so many hundreds of different therapies out there. For and your, sure. your physical therapy, going to the gym is therapy. It creates great feelings within you and you smile. You, yeah. you just have a great yeah. time listening to that music and just, just rocking. It's great.
2: Uh, it is. It's like, like I said, it's like a mini vacation. Like yeah. I don't think about anything else while I'm there. It's just me and that moment. And that's it.
1: And that is amazing. Wow. And I'm glad that you found, well, you, you had that before, but you, you have found so much power in doing that. And it just brings joy to, to your life. That's amazing. If there, if, if there was a message that you could give our listeners who may be going back in the past at, at an event that happened to them that really traumatized them, what would you tell them right now on how to deal with their trauma?
2: I would tell them that their life is valuable and that it's worth fighting for. And I know it's easier said than done, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. I would highly encourage them to talk to a counselor. I think that in order to make any progress in the healing stages, I think that you really need to feel every single emotion that there is. Don't hide. Don't run from your emotions. Face them head on as difficult as that may be. And my trauma just didn't start from 2016. My trauma went back to childhood things. And so it's really digging deep and it's a lot of self-reflection and that's where it all comes into play in counseling. And I think that that is vital to anyone's recovery because when you run away from the problem, it eventually catches up with you. And I think that you just really have to overcome those challenges and you have to find positive coping strategies. You know, maybe there's PTSD now, um, yoga. So maybe that's something that you look into. Um, You know, maybe you look into joining a book group or something as well as doing counseling. You know, you find something that's for you so you can build that relationship with yourself again because it all starts with you. It doesn't start with anybody else. You are in charge of your own life and you choose the direction that you want it to go in. And you have to be the one to say, I can overcome this. Nobody can overcome it for you, but yourself.
1: I like that so much. Good stuff. Ashley, that was great. Now you've written a book, correct?
2: I have indeed.
1: And what is the title of your book?
2: It's called Finding Strength Through Tragedy and it talks about domestic violence. It talks about what strength really is because often we don't really think about strength until we're actually faced with a situation where we have to be strong. Um, And it talks about who I am today. It talks about overcoming um, challenges. It talks about different coping methods. There's also self-admirations in there. Um, There's different um, community resources too. Um, to look into as well, if you're in a domestic violence situation, what steps do you take to get out of that? Because the thing that bugs me the most is, you know, people will say, oh, well, why doesn't she just leave? Okay, well, if only it was that simple, but people don't realize that when that person leaves their abuser, they're at their highest risk of death. And that's called separation assault. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I try to give a lot of insight, and a lot of knowledge around um, different you know stereotypes such as that and you know people are just so quick to judge like people think once the trial's over well that's it no actually this is a life sentence I have to deal with will for the rest of my life now you know I get parole packages and I you know get information from the parole board and like all that stuff is like you know it does take you a step backwards but it's like okay well what am I gonna do Now that I've read this information and I've processed it, now you have to do something that's going to take care of you so you don't go 10 steps backwards. So you have to recharge yourself in a sense after you get stuff like that or have different memories and whatnot. So I talk about that as well. I talk about that in my blogs as well. Um, And I've been really excited about writing these blogs they talk about the, you know the trial process and you know a lot of survivors of crime they don't want to. You know go to trial and, and take the stand and I talk about like overcoming and some of the strategies, you can use to while you're on the stand essentially.
1: Wonderful. I'll have that uh, in the show notes. So to all my listeners out there, just check the show notes. You'll see where to buy the book and how to get a hold of Ashley. And Ashley, I wish you you strength on your journey of recovery. And you're doing an amazing job by helping so many people. And I pray that your outreach will continue to be successful and that you will make that change and that you get strong and get back because we need you back.
2: Well, thank you so much. And again, thank you for taking this time to do this interview with me. It's really all about healing and growing and learning. And I'm so incredibly grateful to be on this journey. And I'm so grateful for all the support from everyone. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to do this interview.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Bye for now. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.